Welcome to Parallel Passion. In this episode, I speak with Lloyd Burgess, a former independent IT consultant who worked for companies like Virgin Media, Orange, HP, Vodafone, and others. These days, he's focusing his time mostly on the coffee roasters, the best gateway to the UK specialty coffee. So obviously we discussed coffee, but also cycling, New Zealand, Italy, and many other interesting things. Enjoy! Right. So uh, while while I was googling you, I I found something very interesting. All right. Um, <laughs> you were you were the winner of the MasterChef in 1999. Yes, indeed, indeed, I was. Um, it's a long time. It's a long time ago now. What's the What's the story behind that? Well, I've I've always loved cooking, and um, you know, from a, a very early age, and then. When I was a um, a teenager or late teenager, I used to do a lot of skiing, and um, I used to go away at the university ski club, and a whole group of us. And there's another guy, and you know he was quite keen on cooking, so the two of us used to sort of cook for everyone. So we used to take everyone's money, go and buy you know all the food that we'd heard of but never tried and just practice cooking on everyone and um they you know they loved it we made a lot of mistakes but it was a lot of fun and um i just you know just carried on from that you know always liked cooking and i used to watch the program on a sunday evening and uh, i'd always think ah oh, you know because the people on there are so good you know i could i could never do anything like that they're so knowledgeable and so skilled and um anyway i one year i um i thought oh oh well i'll i might you know give it a go so i wrote away for an application form and uh, got filled it in sent it away and um got accepted into the first stage which was going to a local a local catering college and um so i did that and you had to cook a couple of courses um and i didn't get any further i had some fantastic uh feedback you know about what i cooked and the big sort of lesson i learned was that it's um balance of flavors that you know is just so key you know if you if you cook anything try to make sure that all of the flavors come through and anyway so i i had had that experience and then that just got me fired up and the following year um, which was 1999 or 1998 I applied and um, got accepted again went through and then got onto the television or onto the televised round and um, there's sort of a number of different and how long was how long was this going uh, before uh, before you joined, so the the program because it it arrived here in Slovenia for I think like four years ago or something like that. Right, so it's been sort of basically two sort of formats. So the, the very original one started in about 1990, and so I was part of that very original format. So it had been going about you know eight or nine years, um, you know when I won. And then a couple of years after I won, it then completely changed into the format that it is now. Um, so it's, it's quite different. Um, but just the, the original format was still still three people, um, but it was more focused on amateur cooks and, um, yeah, just, just a, a slightly different format. Um, but, um, yeah, so it had been going eight or nine years you know, when I won. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I saw you in the finals with with Ramsey. So how how yeah. is he in in person? <laughs> well, actually, he wasn't too bad. He was. Um, it was actually just before, you know, he he his sort of television programs came out, um, and so although he was very, uh, oh, what's the word? Who um. He was very truthful and blunt about what he liked and what he didn't like. You know, he wasn't he wasn't horrible. He he wasn't he didn't what put you down or anything like that. It was just, you know, oh that's good or no, I don't like that. And uh, no, but he was he was fine. He was you know good, obviously very very knowledgeable and uh, respectful. But then after after the. You know, after that time, then his TV series started coming out, um, and you know, that's where you you got all the the swearing and blinding, um, you know, Gordon Ramsay, uh, you <laughs> yeah, know, on television, unique so, style. <laughs> yeah, I think if, if, if those TV programs had come out before, you know, the MasterChef, I probably would have been a lot more um, <laughs> apprehensive about cooking for him. But no, it went really well. So you said that with food, it's all about balance of flavors. So um, yeah, I guess here we can have a sort of segue into into coffee. Um, yeah, is does do you think the same applies here as well? Um, <laughs> flavor is really important in coffee, but it's it's different, I think, because um, I think from a, a roaster point of view, you're, you're trying to get the so the best flavors out of the bean depending on you know how it's been processed the origin and everything like that so you i don't i'm not sure if you're necessarily trying to get a balance of flavors you're just trying to get the best flavor by applying you know heat to it whereas obviously with cooking you know you've got lots of ingredients and And it's about the, the balance of the quantities of, of ingredients. Um, Do you think you could balance like food and coffee or like sort of uh, pair them together like we do with wine that we could also do with coffee? Yeah, absolutely. You know, because there's a lot of, you know, fruit, nut, chocolate flavors, you know, that come out with coffee and absolutely they can, you know, be paired with food. Um, and in fact, one of the... Um, Uh, people at the entrepreneurial growth program that I'm involved with, um, she she has her own sort of vegan cooking business, and um, and she's going to help with the coffee side of things because she's really interested. She wants to be a roaster herself, and um, yeah, she would really like to do a lot of pairing of of coffee and food. Um, so that's something you know she's very keen on. So hopefully, you know, in the next few months, um, and it will we'll start to do that, and you know, she'll be able to write about it and um, yeah, get some good good information about different recipes and you know, coffee. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I, I saw now a couple of times. I was at the Vienna Coffee Festival this previous week, and uh, they had this. A whole panel of of um, offering foods and also coffee, and then you would pair and uh, have a unique flavor in in mouth. And they said it's sort of it's similar to wine, but it can even be more complex or something like that yeah. because there's more flavors or something in in coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know about the number of flavors in coffee compared to wine, but I think you know there, it is absolutely very very complex, and there's so. Um, 
you know, so many flavors in there. And I, I think that was what I, you know, um, that was, that's what really got me interested when I started in the speciality coffee was just the huge variety of, of flavors and tastes that you get from coffee. It's just amazing. So, mm-hmm. And yeah. how did you discover actually specialty coffee? Because I know from that you're from New Zealand and um, it is sort of more popular there and in Australia, or at least it, it was than it is uh, here or we are sort of catching on. So what, what got you interested in, in coffee in the first place? Well, I've always, um, apart from liking cooking, I've, I've always liked coffee and you know, I, you know, I've drunk it from a very early age um, and yeah, just just out of enjoyment and I, I didn't really know about specialty coffee um i did go over to i still do i go to italy a lot and um so really developed a love of espressos over there and um and then i remember oh, a few years back i went to new zealand to, um, on a holiday and caught up with a friend who was a, a coffee roaster And he showed me the whole coffee roasting process of you know, taking the green beans, putting them in the roaster, 20 minutes or so, out comes you know, lovely, delicious, freshly roasted coffee. And I was just completely amazed, you know, because I'd never really known you know, how coffee you know, gets roasted and you know, how it's you know, processed. Anyway, so he, he showed me this and then we had some of his coffee and I thought, oh, this is just amazing, <laughs> just You know, unlike anything else I'd ever tried before, because it was it was so fresh. You know, he he roasted it, you know, beautifully, and I thought, oh, it's, it's amazing. And so um, I got back to New Zealand. I, I got back to the UK. I thought, right, I'm going to you know I'm going to hunt out some um, you know some nice coffee, and uh, so I went onto Google and you know typed in online coffee or speciality coffee i can't remember and of course i found you know, places like has been union square mile and, and so i went onto the sites and bought it and, and tried it and oh, this is amazing and then you know and then started to realize how many different types of origins there were and flavors and um so i thought oh this is this is great you know it's I just love it I, i need more and more <laughs> just you know any any different types of coffee You know, if I saw one that I hadn't heard of before, then I'd order that. You know, didn't care about the price. I just wanted to get a huge variety. And uh, how how long ago was that? Uh, about six years ago, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah, and um, and then after a while, I thought this is this is such a hassle. You know, I've, I've got to go into Google. I've got to you know find a particular roaster. I've got to go onto the site. I've got to register. I've got to go through the whole you know buying process yeah i get the coffee and it's great but then i've got to go onto another roaster's site and so i started looking around for you know the amazon of speciality coffee and um and didn't find it and thought hmm here's an idea <laughs> <laughs> and so that's really how the coffee roaster started um you know just you know, to be able to go to one place and get a huge variety of coffee. Did you originally start it as a sort of, like like you said, Amazon of coffees, or did you already offer the subscriptions that I think are, well, at least for me, are the most interesting part of the of the business? Yeah, so no, it was originally it started out to be, you know, just a, an online e-commerce to offer a huge variety of coffee. And um, 
and I didn't even think or really want to to look at the subscription side of things. And then somebody said, um, "Oh, you know, do you do subscriptions?" And I thought, uh, "No, but I suppose I could." <laughs> <laughs> and then so I thought about it and, and had a look around at all the different um, you know options in other subscription companies. And I thought, oh, yeah, I suppose I could do something. But I wanted it to be a bit different as well, not just your normal subscription box company where you send, um, you know, the same coffee to everyone all the time. So I, you know, with my IT background, I sort of developed this, you know, sort of system um, that basically helped me really personalize, you know, the, the coffees that get sent to subscribers. Um and you know it's it's still evolving, um, and then yeah, I think you you were the first, my first international <laughs> subscriber. Yeah, I, I didn't even know that. <laughs> yeah, back in two thousand and fourteen, I think it was. Yeah, no, it was it was February two thousand fifteen. I actually went through my inbox to find the the first emails that <laughs> we. Because uh, <laughs> the thing is, like I. Like you said, like I, I looked at at other offerings, at other subscription businesses, and they were either like, "Oh, we're just gonna be sending you the whole like the same coffee every time," yeah, or they were sort of like, "Oh, you get I don't know fifty grams of different coffee, so you can taste it and you can try it out, and then you can decide to to purchase it," yeah. which is not what I've really been interested in because. Yeah. Um, like there back then there was no uh, good roasters here in Slovenia. Now there are a couple, but back then there wasn't. And um, this this seemed like yeah, like a, like a good idea. I had no idea I was the first international one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you you weren't the first customer. That was the that was the other person <laughs> that um, you know gave me the idea. Yeah, I actually found a tweet about that. It was in uh, in October two thousand thirteen. Was your yeah, first order? Yeah. But um, yeah, and so it's just developed from there really. And and I'm still really focused on on making a, a personalized bit of service you know, because I think everyone has different needs of different tastes. They want different amounts of coffee. They, you know, some, you know, just want espresso, someone filter. It's, it's it, everyone's different. And you know, to send the same coffee to everyone just doesn't feel right for me. And so, yeah. And we like to change our mind a lot as well. Like I used to order only for AeroPress. Now it's for espresso. Yeah. And again, that, that's what I found. You know, some people are, are sort of constantly changing and, um, and there's, you know, everyone is different. You know, some people want a couple of bags once a week. Somebody wants one bag, you know, every week but skip the third week um you know it's just there's a whole variety of, you know some some people want you know one bag of normal coffee another bag of decaf um and and so you know we can handle that which is really what i wanted to do is to to make something very flexible very personable so um and personalized and how do you plan on on scaling because like if it's really personalized then once you grow past a certain number of subscribers i guess you'll have real like issues yeah so that that is a challenge absolutely um <clears throat> although what what i've found is that you can you can group people into certain groups so um you know yes everyone's different but you know, there, there'll be a certain group of people who like, you know, or want one bag of espresso-based coffee that's good for, um, you know, just single single shots of espresso. And then there's another group of people who will have, you know, who, who will like espresso but want to have more of a, a latte cappuccino type thing. So um, 
basically by splitting up into these different groups and you know there might be 30 or 40 different groups of people then you can start to allocate coffees per group not per individual subscriber or customer um, and so hopefully that will allow me to grow um, but obviously you still want to take into account you know actual individual preferences of people as well um, but yeah we, but it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge, you know, absolutely. But I've, I think I've worked out, you know, how it can, you know, scale, um, you know, but be, because I'm, I'm really focused on, you know, automating as, as much as possible of the whole process. Um, yeah, of course, that makes sense. You're, you have an IT background. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. Um, so what's the ratio now of like UK versus international? Ooh, um, roughly. International is probably, um probably about five percent i think um i don't i don't actually have that figure off the top of my head but it's probably yeah between five and ten percent international um I, I think there's still a big opportunity to you know to grow internationally as well you know as in the uk yeah i, I think so too uh, but um as far as you know as far as i know you have it that the roasters directly send the coffee so it doesn't go through you do you have any problems with them sending internationally or any other issues yeah it's it's um it's it has always been a challenge this whole delivery thing um i'm, I'm still committed to getting the coffee sent directly from the roaster to the customer because it just means it's bound to get there quicker rather than being repackaged and you know going through multiple delivery systems um you know that they rely on either some form of courier or the royal mail you know international post um sometimes coffees don't get there um it's not a fault of the roasters it's just sadly what happens um you know. Sometimes they have they get missent to India, yeah. which is what happens. <laughs> yes, <to me. laughs> yes. Well, sometimes postman thinks, "Hmm, <laughs> this smells really nice," <laughs> and it, and it goes missing. So I, I remember actually, even before I started the, the whole site, um, I used to get you know, all this coffee delivered you know, to home, and um, I remember one of the first sort of deliveries. The postman came in and said. <gasps> Oh, my van smells amazing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, that's exactly what my postman does. Now, when he rings, he just says coffee, and I and I go down. So, so yeah, he he definitely smells it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, it is it is a challenge. Absolutely, delivery. Um, you know, there's we've still got a few ideas of, of maybe how to improve. Um, but I think most of the time, you know, the coffee gets to people in a you know in a reasonable time. Um, and it doesn't really matter whether it's international or, or locally, you know, that there will still be problems, but most of the time the coffee gets through. Yeah, especially since I guess most roasters send it immediately after roasting. So that's not a, not a big issue. Yeah. Um, and, and also, especially for espresso, you know, most roasters will recommend, you know, at least five days after roasting to to allow, you know, the, the coffee to rest and, uh, you know, CO2 to dissipate. Mm. Speaking of, how do you make your own coffee? So how do you drink it? Uh, normally a V60 um, is my favorite way. So in the morning, I've got a little, um, I've got a very nice copper V60 uh, filter, um, a nice little jug. And um, yeah, and that's that's the way I do it. I, I think it gets the most um, flavors out. You know, I, I like a long cup of coffee. Um, I still, I still love espresso. Uh, I used to, to try to make it at home many years ago. Um, however, I, I lived in Bath at the time and was near a 
um, a cafe called Colonna and Smalls. And um, Maxwell Colonna was obviously the UK barista champion for many years. And so that was my local cafe. And, you know, I'd, I'd try to make an espresso and then I'd, you know, go to his cafe and have an espresso there. And I thought, there's just no point in, in me trying to make it. <laughs> it's, it's far too complicated. So I, if I wanted an espresso, I would go there and it was absolutely amazing. So yeah, I, my story I, is exactly the opposite of that. <laughs> like when, when I go out, the espresso is horrible. So I, I had to get into it. Yeah. And I, absolutely. I can see that. I think, you know, I was lucky as, as are a lot of people in, in Bath. You know, it was just, it is an amazing cafe. It has a whole and still is. And it has a, a huge range of coffee, and um, yeah, they just make amazing espresso. So I thought. So do you drink your do you drink your espresso with milk, or are you a purist? No, 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 just single origin, um, uh, you know, single shot or, or double shot. Mm. Um, yeah, no, no milk. You know, occasionally when I'm out, you know, I might have a flat white or a cortado or, or something, but. Um, yeah, normally just uh, pure espresso. And do you have a hand grinder or do you uh, do it via electricity? Yeah, I've got both actually. I've got a big sort of batch grinder. Um, you know, occasionally I do get in coffee and and then send it out to people. Um, so I've got a you know a big grinder so I can grind you know a few bags at a time. Um, but also I have a hand grinder. Um, you know, that I use, um, although it's it's not very good at the moment. It's, it's the handle is broken, so I need to upgrade my personal grinder. <laughs> but um, yeah, but it doesn't matter as much, you know, when you're drinking filter coffee than it does with espresso. Um, you know, I think if I was trying to make espresso at home, then yeah, absolutely. I, you know, you need to get a really good grinder. Yeah, it's a it's a problem because usually once you once you look into this, you figure out that you should spend more money on grinder than you do on your espresso machine, yeah. which just seems absurd. <laughs> seems bizarre. Why am I spending so much money for this? I know, but it's but it's you know it's it is really important because um, you know you need to get the coffee grind you know all of the the same um, same size to get even extraction. Um, you know, it just makes it makes such a difference because again, this is this is the other thing I learned that the whole coffee extraction, you know, idea of of how flavors get taken from the coffee, and you know, it's all it's dependent on so many things. You know, water temperature, you know, type of coffee, size of the grind, and you know, any variable will change the flavors that come from it. So, um, you know, with an espresso, absolutely, you know, you need to get you know, all of the grinds exactly the same size, um, you know, to get a, an even extraction. Otherwise, you get some, you know, bitter flavors from some some of the grinds and sour flavors from others. So, you know, the, the more that you can spend on getting the grinder that provides really consistent size grinds, you know, the, the better chance you have of making a, a nice cup of espresso. Yeah, so... Um did you ever got into roasting yourself? Um, um, I tried it with a, a, um, a cast iron pan on my cooker once. <laughs> put some beans in a pan and put it on the top. Um, but no, <laughs> not, um, 
not professionally or, or not not even out of interest uh i did um i did look at a couple of you know small home roasters and then started talking to some of the the roasters as well and they said yeah it's really easy to roast coffee you know you just get some green beans apply some heat for a certain amount of time and there you go roasted coffee <laughs> it's like cooking yeah like <laughs> cooking but they said you know, if you want to do it well it takes a lot of um a lot of experimentation you know a lot of changing around with different profiles about how how and when heat is applied um so while it's easy to do it's really difficult to to get it to the same quality as you know a lot of the roasters that we work with so um so no so i haven't haven't gone down that path i'll let other people you know sort all of that out yeah i see a lot of people trying um, like home roasting with a popcorn roaster yeah um yeah and and i i did um i did try this myself yeah or at least i wanted to try but it was just so much hassle and like it's not worth it yeah i mean yeah sure green beans are very cheap compared to roasted beans yeah. but like the amount of time and knowledge it would take me it's just yeah i don't think it's worth it yeah as i said it's it's, it's easy to roast but it's it's really difficult to get i think you'd get dissatisfied very quickly i think oh i'm not really getting much you know out of the um out of the green beans so yeah no it's uh but when you when, when you look at what the roasters do and all the the setup they do all the testing experimentation of different profiles you know different heat at different times it's you know it's amazing the, the whole process they go through to you know, try to get the you know the best flavors from the bean And you have quite a lot of roasters on on the coffee roasters yeah. website. How do you select them? Um, I, sometimes I they come to me. Sometimes I hunt them out. Um, my one of my main criteria is you know quality. Um, I really like you know that the roasters are uh, firstly you know really passionate about what they do. And also, you know, they they can roast to a you know a particular quality. Um, but also, I want to get a whole variety of as well of both um, coffees, um, you know, different origins, um, you know, different farms, and but also, um, yeah, you know, different flavors, um, different packaging as well. You know, all roasters use different packaging. I think that's part of the attraction of of this whole variety of speciality coffee is is the variety so yeah you know so i will you know if somebody approaches me i'll you know start to talk to them about it you know normally get a, a feeling myself about you know how dedicated and how passionate they are about what they do and you know get some samples try it um and yeah you know if everything's you know going well i like the coffee and that they they seem you know really efficient with how they work and you know send things out um then yeah you know we'll look to get them on board um and you know i think unlike other companies i'm really quite keen on sort of longer term relationships so you know rather than just selecting you know one roaster for a month and you know buying a whole lot of their coffee you know i'd much prefer to um you know to work with roasters over a longer period of time yeah speaking of packaging i was quite surprised at how different it is and i don't know if you saw but um i i have 
I'm sort of a hoarder. Yeah. And I didn't, <laughs> I, I basically have the majority of the bags that I received still. Yeah. Um, and I, I took a photo not long ago. Uh, I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Like it's, um, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot of bags and they are so different. Yep. Um, it's, it's really interesting to like to see roasters express their creativity in in this as well. Yeah, I guess Ab- absolutely. And I've got the same photo, I think, as you. <laughs> <I've got> a, <laughs> I, I also collect all my bags, and um, I've, I've recently moved house, and and I, I noticed this big box that's got <laughs> all of these empty coffee bags in. And I thought, oh, do I really need to keep these? And I thought, yes, I do. <laughs> Look, I know that I don't, but goddamn, yeah. they're so interesting. They're so interesting yeah and and that's and and as well that's um you know one of the reasons that i want to get the the coffee sent directly from the roasters because it's it's part of the experience of of the different different types of bags different packaging different branding um you know because i've I've seen other people and tried it where they'll they'll send yes different coffees but all in the same you know type of packaging from different roasters and it i know i just it like the variety i think so um, yeah it's it's interesting to see the bags but talking about the bags and packaging and branding um you know some of the roasters have really nice packaging you know the bags are all printed really really well designed but that's not necessarily a sign of you know good coffee because i remember um one of the nicest coffees I've had was a, a Kenyan coffee, and I bought it at this little market stall in southeast London. And um, he just got a, a brown paper bag, put some coffee in it, and with his marker pen, you know, wrote wrote on it. You know, no branding, no packaging, just brown paper bag. But it was absolutely amazing coffee. So um, don't necessarily be fooled by the. Um, you know, the the branding and the packaging on the um, on the outside oh yeah yeah absolutely um i have similar experiences but i guess in the other way when the packaging was really nice and even the roaster is like really well known yeah um and i tried the coffee and it just wasn't good um i i, I heard something about that it could depend a lot on the type of water you use and the type of water the roaster uses yeah um so maybe it's that because it was from obviously a different country yeah um but i don't know did you ever experiment with water and using different waters to brew coffee yeah i, I have it it does make you know a massive difference um and i have experimented with water um and in fact this person Maxwell Colonna Dashwood, uh, Dashwood um, the you know he's written a book on water for coffee, and um, you know he goes into a huge amount of detail about you know why water makes you know coffee taste different, um, and so yes, I've experimented with um, bottled water, mineral water, and yeah, and I was again quite amazed at the results that you know different um different waters with different levels of minerals make just such a difference to the taste um so sometimes uh well it's i think again it's about personal preference um so i think the best thing to do is just just to try and experiment but absolutely you know water makes a, a huge difference to the to the taste of the coffee yeah and um in general where where do you see um specialty coffee going um i would like to think that more people will um want to make it at home 
Um, so, you know, over the last, I don't know, five plus years, you know, there's been a big rise in speciality coffee shops and, and cafes. And so people are, you know, are getting, um, you know, more interested. So instead of going to the big, big chains, they're going to independent cafes. And, and you know, and that's great. Um and you know, obviously, what I'm hoping and, and thinking is that you know, more people will be you know, get more interested in specialty coffee and want to, you know, make it at home. Um, and also, you know, what it, we are seeing is that you know there is a rise in, if you like, geeky, you know, coffee brewing equipment. You know, obviously, the Aeropresses, V60s, you know, Chemex, um, and obviously the huge range of espresso machines for home so you know so there is a rise in people wanting to to try a specialty coffee you know at home um using different equipment um so what i think is that you know people who have been going to these independent cafes and you know, they'll start to hear about you know, different types of origin and you know, different types of processing for the coffee they'll then want to you know um, experiment a bit more at home so um, yeah, I saw this trend of like instant specialty coffee developing in Australia and also in in US. Um, is it something that's also happening in in UK? Yeah, I haven't haven't really come across that. Um, I'm sure um, I'm sure it will taste better than normal instant coffee. But you know, the the whole process of making instant coffee is. Not oh ideal, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you know, so but the, the the deal with like specialty coffee, if you want to make it at home, like you said, you need at least a V60 and uh, or an AeroPress, yeah. and you need filters, and yeah. you need hand grinder at least. So that's easily like hundred euros to get going, and this is a lot of money for someone who just wants like a cup of coffee in the morning. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think yeah, I, I know what you mean. Although you know, you can get V60s that are you know are really cheap. You know, in, in the UK, you can get plastic ones for you know for less than ten pounds uh, oh. and a filter. You know, mm-hmm. so um, you know, I think you you can start off you know cheap. You know, and still you can make nice coffee in a cafetiere or a French press as well. Um, and uh, yeah, so you, you don't have to spend a lot you know to get. You know, in, interested in it, um, but I think you know for for specialty coffee, it's about people who not only like drinking coffee, but like the whole process of making coffee. You know, and sort of taking the time, um, and it's quite it's quite mindful. It's quite nice. It's a quite nice you know way to start your day. You know. Yeah, it's very it's very meditating. At least for me, in the morning, I I go to my espresso machine and like uh, really make a cup of coffee in the in the morning, and it's a uh, it's it's relaxing. It's it's a way to start my day. Yeah. Um, but which is very different to someone who just wakes up, goes to Starbucks, and takes like takeaway coffee. Exactly. It's it's very very different. But I think you know, the 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 people who will appreciate specialty coffee and appreciate the different flavors. Yeah, it's it's um, you know like yourself. You know, I like the process of making coffee. That's it's it's a nice way to start the day. It sort of relaxes you a bit, and um, yeah, you know. And I think you know the people who appreciate specialty coffee. That's what you know they're interested in as well, rather than just getting a a caffeine hit. You know, where they don't really care what it tastes like. Yeah, 
I, I guess, yeah, it depends a lot. But um, my story is actually very similar to yours. Like once I tried coffee, it was important actually for me. But like once I tried it, I was like, oh, so this is what coffee is supposed to taste like. Yeah. Um, it's like I've never had coffee before in my life yeah. uh, compared to compared to that. Yeah, ab- ab- absolutely. I agree. And I saw on your website that you also have this um, uh, big list of roasters. Um, do you do you maintain it? Why why do you even have roasters on on your website that whose coffee you don't sell? Yeah, interesting point. <laughs> um, so it started off uh, when I you know had the idea for the site. Um, you know, I I wanted to find you know who some you know roasters were that I could contact to um, you know. To, to talk about working with so i, I basically just started a, a spreadsheet of you know roasters that i found um you know their their name site details location and you know this spreadsheet just got bigger and bigger you know it started with i don't know 10 or 20 roasters on it um and then one day i noticed it got to about 100 or so different roasters on it and and i used to use this as a reference to you know to, to contact people you know to try and find a new roaster to work with um and so i thought oh this is actually you know, quite useful so I, I put it online i developed a map um and you know it's just slowly you know evolved you know over the years um so it's, it's probably about 400 roasters in there at the moment um you know it's it's a, a free reef and do you maintain yeah that we maintain it um it's um it's not you know, hundred percent up to date. There's still, there's always more additions and changes to do. But you know, I like to try to you know keep it evolving. Um, you know, as I find new roasters or or they contact me, I'll you know get the details added. Um, yeah, it's it's a bit strange that you know I'm providing free advertising for you know, some of these roasters. Um, you know, hopefully one day it will pay back. Um, but it's but it does you know, it does attract quite a lot of sort of interest and visitors you know to the site. Um, so you know, so that's one benefit. Um, so it's like a SEO tactic. Yeah, although I didn't do it for that. You know, I um, just thought it'd be a really useful thing to do. You know, the, the more people that get interested in um, you know, specialty coffee, trying a, a different roaster. Um, you know, hopefully they'll, you know, think, oh, this is really good. You know, I need to try some more roasters and, um, you know, sort of use the site to, to find other roasters and, and to buy. Um, but yeah, so, so it's just, it's, it's just evolved. Um, but yeah, and I think, I think it's probably one of the best, you know, resources in the UK for, um, uh, you know, UK roasters. So, um, yeah. yeah. You mentioned you fell in love with espresso in Italy and that you traveled there often. Yeah. Um, how, how come? Why Italy? Um, I own a, a small apartment in Tuscany. Um, I've had for, I don't know, 10 years or so. And, um, I don't know, you know, we bought it just as a, a small holiday home. And, um, we, we looked at a, bit of a few other countries as well, but we just, you know, saw this area in in Italy, really liked it, you know, found this place and um, bought it. So it's just a, it's a small holiday home and uh, it's great, you know. But also I like the whole Italian, uh, you know, sort of ethos about food and cooking and, 
uh, they're they're so passionate about so many things like that. Um, and it's just, you know, I, I love it. Italy, beautiful place. Um, and yeah, it's just really nice. You a nice place to go and i guess the weather is also much nicer than in in uk most of the year absolutely the, the weather's really nice you know a lot of people are very friendly over there and uh, yeah it's just a just a great a great country i you know i, I love it um so yeah it's yeah it's just a it's a really nice place to go you know as a um, as a contrast to the uk um and yeah just wandering around it's, it's great and do you do you cycle around around uh, yeah um so i have <clears throat> i have a number of bikes um i've got you know one bike that i do keep over in italy but i have a number of sort of bicycles in the uk as well um i particularly like sort of old steel bikes so i have a um <clears throat> a bicycle that i used to own as a teenager and and run and and race so it's from the um it was built in the 1960s it's a it's an italian sort of steel road bike and um oh, I, i had it refurbished a few years ago sort of completely repainted and, and all the the correct parts put on it so you you raced while still in new zealand with the steel bike yes isn't yeah. new zealand like super hilly and steel bikes are quite heavy yeah well yeah steel bikes are heavy but you know they um they're fine that they are what they are you know the, if the heavier it is the the fitter you get <laughs> so um yeah but there's flat places in new zealand as well um you know where we used to race it, it wasn't too hilly so it was fine i don't i don't race anymore i just you know do it for enjoyment um but it's nice it's nice to have the old bike to to go around on um you know it's you know after 40 years or so it's still or even more it's still you know lovely to ride um yeah i i, I can imagine it's a it's a interesting thing like restoring an, an old machine to its former glory yeah oh, I've, i've had so much pleasure out of both the whole you know restoration process you know because i i got on ebay to find all the right parts on it and and also did a lot of work to try and find somebody who could repaint it because it's a it's a special painting technique as well um so but i got all that done and it's um yeah so pleased with the end result and then a couple of years ago um i went to a uh, an event called eroica in italy which is in tuscany mm -hmm. and it's basically about you know old bikes you know pre-1987 um you know going around uh sort of historic you know gravel roads um and it's a big you know big event it attracts thousands of people from all over the world um and you know everyone well, a lot of people dress up in the sort of traditional cycling um you know gear so i did that you know, a couple of years ago and it was it was amazing you know it, uh, really a great experience yeah that does sound interesting i also saw some pictures that uh, where you went over the stelvio pass um it, did you do it in with this bike or did you have something else for so no i used a different bike um yeah the, the stelvio pass um again 
a few years ago, I went with my brother and some friends um, around sort of northern Italy, um, the Dolomites and around uh, the Stelvio area um, on a cycling holiday. And um, I took one of my other bikes, which was, again, a steel bike, uh, an Italian steel bike, but from the 1990s, so a little bit more modern. <laughs> uh, again, a, a beautiful, beautiful bike, it really is. It was. It used to be raced professionally, um, and, yeah, and so, again, I, I loved it. And so, yeah, so I took that. It was a bit challenging going up the Stelvio <laughs> with, with this book. <laughs> Did you have any problems with cars? Because I know the pass is very popular with like car drivers. Yeah, it, it was it was busy, but it was it was great. Um yeah, the the longest uphill ride I've ever done. I remember you know going coming up, you know, from the bottom and and then seeing the sign, I think it said forty four on you know on one of the corners and I didn't really know what it meant and then I got to the next corner and it said 43 and then all of a sudden I realized ah, <laughs> <laughs> okay we have, we've still got a long way to go <laughs> so yeah but it was, it was a fantastic experience you know it takes you half a day to get up and 10 minutes to get down <laughs> so um yeah but no, I'd, I'd love I'd love to do some more cycling in the Italian Alps um we went also around the Dolomites, um, based ourselves near Cortina. Well, that's very near. That's very near to Slovenia. You know, you can just is it? yeah, yeah, it is across. actually over that side. Yeah, um, yes, yeah, so we went to Cortina and went around there, and oh, just beautiful cycling. It's just uh, cyclists' heaven. It was, it was great. So, um, so do you do you ever want to go back to New Zealand? Or are you now just um, accustomed to EU or well yeah, <laughs> Europe? Yeah, no. So I love I love living over in Europe. Um, I love the again you know the variety of countries, cultures. Um, yeah, just so many different places to go and things to experience. Um, so I've lived I've lived in Europe you know, longer than I have lived in the U in New Zealand. Um, but. Uh, whether I go back to New Zealand, I, I don't know. You know, I go back on a a regular basis for holidays. Um, or you know, whether I end up there longer term, I, you know, I don't know. Um, you know, we'll see. It is. It's a beautiful country. It's beautiful beaches and lovely, you know, mountains and lakes. It's fantastic outside. Um, but it is a long way from everywhere. So I don't know. At, at the moment, I'm, you know based and you know, focused on Europe. Um, you know, I want to um you know continue to grow, you know, the coffee roasters from Europe. Um mm -hmm. you know, and um so so no plans to go back to New Zealand just yet, maybe in the future. I'm I'm asking because um I know quite a lot of people in Slovenia that are moving down there because like here New Zealand is sort of like Slovenia but bigger and, and with uh with like better environment to live in compared yep. to here yeah um and you know it's it's sort of similar i mean it's an island but also have hills and and sea and like um things to to do yeah it is I'd, i'm trying to think whether i've been to slovenia or not well <laughs> i might have passed through there yeah um <laughs> but yeah it, i i think it, there probably are some similarities um there's a goal for you for 2018, like visit Slovenia. Absolutely, absolutely. Go around to see some um, yeah customers in Europe. 
no, it'll be it'll be nice. It'll be nice. Actually, I'm going to Italy in May um, for a intensive two week Italian course. So um, uh, I don't know, maybe after that, I might do a bit of touring and and come and see you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should totally do that. Now we have actually have some coffee places that have decent coffee. So ah, uh-huh. oh, excellent. Well, that's definitely no, um, actually worth visiting. Yeah, yes, because I'll, I'll be finished this entrepreneurial growth program that I'm involved in at the moment uh, at the end of April. Um, and then so after, you know, in May, as I'm going on this Italian course, and then I don't have any fixed plans. So, um, yes, I can see a bit of traveling coming on. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's great. So what is this uh, program that you mentioned? Yeah, so it's um, it's it's basically, it's a charity. You know, you don't pay for it, but it's a, um, it's an organization that is there to help businesses grow. And um, it's primarily funded by some of the banks in the UK um, and various accountancy solicitor forms. And, and basically, they provide a number of hubs or sort of offices around the UK. And you can you can apply if you're a small business um, or you've, if you've got a, an idea you know, for a business. And they will you know take you on if they think, you know, you're suitable and provide you with office space, provide you with some mentoring, some, you know, one-to-one people to to, to challenge you with what you're doing uh, and give you access to a, a huge amount of resources. Um, and and do you have to give up some equity for that or what's the, what's no, the deal? No, none. It's amazing. None whatsoever. It's all free. There's, you don't give up any equity. You don't have to pay um, as I said, it is a charity. I think they you know, they they do it for um, just trying to obviously help stimulate the economy, you know, to help small businesses grow. Um, it also almost sounds too good to be true. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it is. It absolutely it's fantastic. You know, the 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 name of it is called Entrepreneurial Spark. Um, it is, I think, only in the UK. Um, it might be expanding out, but no, it, it's it's amazing, you know, what they do. And one of the big big benefits is that you're with, you know, a whole community of, I don't know, thirty or forty other people who are trying to do similar things to you. Um, uh, you know, who are in a similar situation, um, have got similar challenges, and so just the the community of the other entrepreneurs is just amazing. It's, uh, it's really a fantastic experience. The only downside, I would say, is that you just get so many uh, or so much information, so many great ideas that you re- you really have to force yourself to focus on, you know, just moving forward um, because there's so many distractions. But it's um, yeah, it is. It's it's a great experience. Yeah, I guess it's a it's a good networking opportunity as well to meet people, to connect with, like you said, this vegan chef or um... absolutely, and and it just happens every day. You know, every time you go in there, you you know you chat to somebody new or, or talk to somebody, and mm. and um, yeah, there'll be a new opportunity to either work together or exchange some information. Um, and yeah, like, you know, even yesterday I was working with one of the other entrepreneurs who runs a um, has a, a yoga business, and you know we were talking about email marketing and, and the whole sort of email marketing process and sales funnel. 
and so you know we just worked together for three or four hours um you know we first concentrated on the coffee roasters and, and then we concentrated it on her yoga business and you know just shared ideas so even if you do yoga you still have to do email yeah absolutely <laughs> um so yeah so again it was great you know it was just uh, an opportunity to you know exchange ideas um listen to other people um so yeah so you know out of it we you know we both got some really useful information about you know how to um you know do some email marketing you know for our different companies so yeah it's just great really great so let's let's finish this off with your with your it background so i saw that you worked for virgin orange uh, hp vodafone and and other companies so what yep. what it is that you did and like what's your sort of software developer story yeah so um uh many years ago i started um well and you know when i was still in new zealand working for a um a computer company um called plessy and, and they did both sort of office machines and also bit of very very early computers and i started with that and and I just got really interested in software. Um, those were the days we used to actually have to burn our software into into ROM sort of chips, <laughs> <laughs> and um, you know, all writing in assembly code. And, um, and then I discovered something called the C language, which you know uh, enabled you to actually write software, and it could run on lots of different types of computers. And I thought, oh, this is amazing. And I know I just got really interested in um in software and um and then started to work in a variety of telecoms companies um not developing software which has always been a bit like a a hobby or a passion for me but more on the um so the architecture or, or systems design type work so yes you know you're right Hewlett Packard I spent a lot of time both in New Zealand also in the UK um, working as a open systems consultant you know helping people to design um, you know sort of large-scale telecoms computer companies uh, systems um, and then yeah I've, I just progressed um, into both uh, consultancy type companies um, yeah, like HP, uh, Logica, I also worked for, um, but also telecoms companies as well. So I worked in both sides. Um, probably the longest uh, company I worked for was Orange within the UK. Um, and then there I was um, a variety, you know, did a variety of roles. Um, again, you know, systems design, architecture. I did a lot of work on IT processes Um development methodologies you know in particular agile um so you know we did a lot of work with applying sort of agile development principles to large sort of organizations um and you know did some you know sort of training and guidance on the you know, teams on this um so i've always had a um a uh, a strong link to the the development process and, and the design you know of computer systems but i've never really done software development as a if you like a, a paid role um but it's always been something that's very you know interested 
uh, I've always been very interested in it. Um, and then, um, and I'm guessing this helps you now a lot with the uh, coffee roasters. Yeah, but well, when I, you know, when I started the you know, the coffee roasters, um, and when you know the the actual e-commerce side, um, I I sort of built pretty much all of the site, you know, by myself um, using a platform called Shopify, um, and so that was. You know, has evolved, um, but for the subscription side, I realised I needed a, um, you know, a, a bespoke sort of application to help me manage you know, all the subscriptions. Um, and then I heard, I'd heard about Ruby and Ruby on Rails, and <clears throat> I knew nothing about it, so I, I started studying it and and um, and thought, oh, this this is great, and and so decided to use that to build. You know the application, you know, to manage my subscriptions, and um, so again, it was all part time because um, I've only been full time on the coffee roasters since October of last year. Um, so you know, all the work I've done as far as building the subscription, you know, application and the development, you know, has all been you know really in my spare time, you know, in parallel <laughs> to um, you know, my my paid work. Um, and so, yes, I've slowly, you know, um, built up this application using Ruby on Rails, uh, you know, which is great, and uh, I love it. But now it needs a completely refactoring and rearchitecting. <laughs> well, luckily you're an architect, so you you'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll figure it out. I just need to get somebody who can, um, you know, sort of help with the implementation of it. But uh, yeah, no, it's 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 great. You know, I, I love. Um, I, I still love you know writing code. It's uh, I don't know why. I think it's to do with building things. And my 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 father was a a chair maker, mm -hmm. and you know he he used to love building things. You know, building um, and making chairs. And I think I inherited a bit of that from him. You know, I, I just love you know creating things, and you know software allows you to do that. And um, so yeah, you know, a cool cool things about software is that you can build something out of nothing, yeah. which is unlike anything ever before. Yeah, um, and it it really is a cliche now, but really, like you you just need time. Yeah, and like you have to focus and work, and then something will happen. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It do, it does take a lot of time. It can take a lot of time, and um, yeah. It's 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 good though. It's a lot of satisfaction when you you, know, you write some code and, and you know you see something come up on the screen and it actually does something that you want it to do. Um, yeah, it's it's great. It's a you know great feeling. Do you have three books or videos or articles or something like that to recommend? So this could be either I don't know software related, uh, coffee related, cycling, MasterChef. I I don't know. Um, uh, oh. That's that's difficult. <laughs> um, yeah, I've, I've read you know, quite a few books and articles. Nothing, nothing really stands out, to be honest. Um, uh, I'm just, I'm just trying to think. Um, I'm, I'm, I can, I can fix this in post. Yeah, and, so yeah, just <laughs> yeah. Uh, nothing really springs out. That there was on the IT side. Uh, I did some work on business processes, um, quite a lot, 
And one book that I remember I still have and have used a lot is something called White Space Revisited. And it's about applying business processes to support so the, the value or the business value, business proposition of a company. And I found that really interesting to, to see how um, you know, how business processes can really help because especially with larger organizations, you get lots of silos of, of departments and they all work completely different. You know, marketing never talks to sales and never talks to accounts. And so this process was, this book was all about looking at sort of end-to-end business processes. Um, so that was, you know, that was great. Um, on the coffee side, I haven't. Uh, I don't know of any particular book um, that I would recommend on the coffee. Um, I did. A, I just did. A, try to find different coffees and try them out. You know, don't worry too much about. Um, did a reading about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. That's that's totally fine. Do you have anything else? Did I miss anything? Um, no, that's covered quite a lot of things, actually. <laughs> well, so, that's, that was the plan. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been great. It's quite a very enjoyable experience. Thank you. Okay. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you, Lloyd, for being uh, the guest on the Parallel Passion podcast. Uh, thank, thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you for thinking of me. It's, uh, it's been a real pleasure to, to talk to you. Yeah, pleasure is all mine. Okay, thank you. Okay, thanks. Bye for now. Bye. All right, this was my interview with Lloyd Burgess. Parallel Passion is a new podcast, so please share it with your friends. You should also rate, review, favorite, follow, like and subscribe, or whatever it is you do in your podcast app of choice. If you enjoyed this show and want me to keep at it, please support it via Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash That's patreon.com slash P-A-R-P-A-S-P-O-D. As a tiny token of gratitude, you will get the coolest sticker you ever saw. You can see some photos of it on our Patreon page. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook where you can submit your feedback. All the links from this episode are in the show notes and on our website parallelpassion.com one. Thank you and have a passionate day.